Thank you for joining me for the latest edition of my podcast series. As you know, we've been trying to focus more on issues that impact your life that are tied to your finances, not just the markets. Recently, we've done discussions on cybersecurity and fraud prevention with the FBI, and we've talked about healthcare with an executive from NYU Langone Medical Center. Today, we turn to what is probably the largest asset for most of us, our home. And to do that, I've assembled an esteemed roundtable of guests to provide us insight into the real estate market. Joining me are Amy Herman from Nest Seekers International. Amy has nearly 20 years of real estate experience. Jed Lewin from LG Fairmont, who's an attorney with 15 years experience. And Blake Mastelar, who's a managing director within Bernstein's Real Estate Group and has been part of the team since inception. Thank you all for joining. So, so let me throw out a very general question to the group. We'll focus on New York City as a start, since that's where most of the listeners will be. Amy, how would you categorize the market generally right now in New York? Well, sales fell about 12% in quarter four of 2017, and it was the lowest we've seen in approximately six years. So we had the Manhattan sales price fall just under 1800 a foot, and actually the price, the mean price, was below $2 million, which was the first time that happened in about seven quarters, I think. So you would say <laughs> that it's a bit softer than it was, and there was a lot of uncertainty, which I think contributed to this uh, occurring. Do you, have you noticed, and I'll toss this to Jed, A, are you seeing a similar trend, and then B, is that focused in any particular area of the market, or is that just across all segments? Because I think of New York as a, a market that is like five markets within itself. Yeah, there, I agree with, with Amy's assessment absolutely for Q4 um, in the market as a whole. Sales were down, and there was a lot of uncertainty. I think 2017 big picture, um, saw more stability than 2016. Um, I think the Q4 numbers were really skewed uh, because a lot of people were sitting out waiting to see what the real estate implications of the new tax bill would be. Um, so at the higher end, there has been some stagnation um, due to an oversaturation of the market. But at the lower end, um, we're really still seeing very, very competitive um, listings, uh, prices coming down. Um, and a lot of competition. So uh, you, you hit on a couple interesting points there, Jed. Um, I'm going to break them out, and we'll toss it around the group. The first being taxes and the impact. Blake, you're here at Bernstein. We think a lot about taxes and the impact of them. What do you think the impact is on the real estate market of the loss of a lot of deductions for New York residents? Um, yeah, I think that's a, a, a key topic here that, that we're evaluating from the investment side. Um, and just by way of background, we look at the for sale and rental markets here in New York. Um, and the tax impact, we think, is, is material and will be big to uh, all jurisdictions within New York. Um, you know, I think if you look at the, the after-tax income and the impact that that will have on all residents in New York, um, that bodes uh, very poorly for, for uh, uh, landlords as well as owners. Um, which impacts pricing and uh, and and rental rates and and um, uh, ultimately the in, uh, the after tax uh, benefit that they have. So I'm going to make you all look into your crystal ball on on this one question. 
I think this is the one that everyone's thinking about on the phone. How much do prices decline, or do they decline at all, solely because of taxes? Jed, what do you think? It's a, it's a, it's a great question, and I, I really think it depends on which segment of the market you're talking about. Um, at the, the lower end, the entry level and mid-market, um, for purchases of 1.1 or below, I don't think it's going to have a massive effect. Um, property taxes in New York City are very low relative to um, the rest of the state and the uh, surrounding suburbs, uh, and you're still going to be able to claim your mortgage deduction, mortgage interest deduction up to 750000 So at that price point, uh, I don't think it's going to have a massive impact. Uh, at the higher end, I also don't think it's going to have a huge impact um, because the mortgage interest deduction isn't really a factor over 90% or roughly 90% of sales um, in the luxury market are all cash. Um, so it's an interesting question. I think the outer boroughs, uh, not the outer boroughs, the um, suburbs and the rest of the state are going to see a much greater detrimental effect than New York City itself. The, the, just on that point, I think the bigger issue that we see is the ability to pay for the renter and, and the condo owner. Um, you know, between the state and local taxes, <clears throat> that's going to be um, affect their after-tax income and what they can pay for uh, for sale and for residential. Amy, what do you think? I mean, I if I was a unit owner, I would actually be picking up more properties to rent out because it's such a buyer's market. I would add to my current inventory whatever I might have. If I had, like, for example, five units that I'm renting out, I would try to pick up another two or three units right now because, you know, the market in the last 10 years went up 30%, the sales market since 2008. Manhattan's a really strong market, and if there were a lull where we have a glut of inventory, which is the current time, you know, it's a very funny thing to say, okay, this is exactly the time to buy or this is exactly the time to sell. But if there's a glut of inventory and the owners are selling for a bit lower than they had hoped, I would say it's a great time to invest. And yes, the rental market may be slightly lower than it was, but because people are not going to be jumping to buy as primary residents potentially, you're actually in a better position as a landlord if you have a very, you know, sort of location-friendly property where, where everyone wants to be. Because, you know, the guy in Flatiron who was going to put down $4 million but maybe take a loan for $2 million, he may be rethinking his strategy and he may be renting a property for 12000 a month. So in that case, you know, the unit owner would obviously be the one benefiting from from this particular strategy. Um, again, if you can pick up something for less than market, like 20% below where it was maybe a couple years ago, I would invest now. So you, I would you, not sell. I would not sell. You know, so you think, there's a, you think there's a ch there, that you could see prices in down 20%? It, no, wow. it, it depends on which marketplace you're talking about, okay. similar to what Jed said. So not in the one million and under marketplace. But there's the, the middle portion of the market where, because the absorption rate was something at about 10 months in the luxury market, and now it's at about 17 months absorption, you see what's happening. Like, if you're doubling the absorption rate, you're getting a better deal if you're one of those buyers that's actually pulling the trigger. 
right? So I think for the, you know, if you have the right seller and the right buyer, you could get a deal 20% off market. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you know, let me ask you a, right let me ask a naive question because not everyone on this call is going to be a real estate person. Um, is there a number that defines when you look at the, these, these figures, what the luxury market is defined as in New York? Like, do you want to? Yeah, so it's four million by nature. Of four million. Earth. Yeah, it, by got nature it. I, I think this past quarter. Samuel's, sorry, and all of the um, sites that are praising and marketing properties, they they suggest four million. All right, and and you've seen within yeah. that seen a big bifurcation in pricing and velocity between the north of four million condo and the south of four million, meaning that above that. Pricing has gone down more dramatically than than the cheaper cheaper units. You know, it leads to it, it's an interesting point, um, Jed and, and Amy. You both touched on that th this issue of supply. So I just look out my window and it feels like there's a, a crane building a new condo everywhere. So what is the um, the supply right now? And do we expect a lot more coming online in the next? You tell me the time frame. 12, 24 months. Jed, what's the, the view at your shop about supply? Um, we're seeing, and again, this is another question that can be parsed out by segment, um, but we're seeing a lot of development. Um, we're seeing sort of the end of the legacy contracts, uh, buildings that were construction was begun several years ago and contracts were signed several years ago. Um, those are being completed. And there aren't a ton right now with signed contracts, which is why we're seeing the median price come down. But there is a ton of new development, especially in the outer boroughs. Um, the Lower East Side is seeing a lot of new development. Uh, Hudson Yards is seeing a tremendous amount of development. So I would say in the next two to three years, um, we're going to see some saturation. Amy, is that supply concentrated at any price point or size apartment? You know, it's funny. So in Hudson Yards, for example, one of the main developers there is not releasing the one and 1.5 uh, bedroom apartments to the public at this time. They've only released the larger units. And I think mm. the strategy is that they don't want as many investors to be grabbing properties there and they're trying to make it, you know, more primary resident friendly. Um, we see, I mean, on our side, we see a huge increase in supply and the market is oversaturated with properties, which, you know, it causes a couple of different things. It causes buyers to be less trigger happy. Like they, you know, will take, for example, instead of taking a month to perform their search, they may be looking for six months. You know, each person obviously having a different personality, and that doesn't work for some. But we see more than ever people who were in the marketplace even 10, 12 months ago still in the marketplace looking to purchase. So it's caused a lot, sort of a little bit of a fickle buyer mentality, you know, which frustrates obviously some sellers. <laughs> um, and that's across the board. That's not just yeah, the high or the we've low market. Yeah, we've been seeing that that's, as well. Yeah, yeah. it's I mean, that as well. everything, it's, even $500,000 properties. People are still doing it. So. It's the classic uh, New York City FOMO mentality. Correct. Um, I, I see it now in the market with the market up this much in the last 15 months, so I see it from my desk as well. Um, Blake, we were talking before about 
price per square foot and how that's impacted. I just want to get your take on price per square foot and and how that impacts people. And a, a number of my clients own in the city and will think about selling. So how is that impacted by one bedroom, two bedroom, three bedroom, and, and how that plays out? Yeah, so the, um, the, the larger units have seen a, a decrease in pricing. Um, that's partly supply as well as um, some of the buyer mentality um, that, that was mentioned here. Uh, the, the cheaper units is, is what is actually still being built and capitalized today. Um, so a lot of the projects that we see from the investment side for new condo development is targeting that $3 million and below um, user. Um, and that has been pretty healthy. Um, I think inventory is still four to five months of supply, which is healthy. Um, prices have gone up the past six, seven quarters. Um, and so that's where everybody's targeting. Um, in terms of kind of the, the supply picture, you know, the, and why uh, that has gone down at the higher end, uh, you know, prior to kind of 2014, 2015, um, with the end of the 421A uh, tax abatement there. That's where a lot of the supply started, and so that's what we're seeing come through the market today. Um, and that was targeting the, the higher end uh, for sale uh, residential market, which is partly why that's decreasing. So uh, if I could ask you guys all to summarize, we'll go on to other topics from here, but the, the perception I'm getting, I may be wrong here, is that it feels like it's more of a buyer's market. Um, is that is that fair? I'll start with Jed. I think that's absolutely right. Um, there's a lot of inventory um, that's been sitting around. It, it's been sitting longer than it has in prior quarters. Um, interest rates are still historically low, even though they are beginning to tick up. Um, you know, in the busy season, I'm not expecting to see interest rates above four and a quarter. Um, so now is really a terrific time to buy. And Amy, I'll reverse the question. If you're one of the clients who's thinking about selling, do they hold off now? You know, it would really depend on what the property is. So in the market, what I do for all of my sellers immediately when, when we connect is I create a list of all of the competing properties. And I show them and whether they like it or not, if there are 10 units, that potentially a buyer would look at along with theirs or 45, that can be a determining factor. We, we use actually a very new system and it pulls from Property Shark, um, Acris, Street Easy, all of the recorded sales as well as what's happening on the market. And we show them and we say, okay, look, someone can look at 50 other things than yours. What are your thoughts on this? And so each, each owner, we would analyze you know, the pros and cons of whether they should sell at this time. And like I said, if there's only, you know, if you're one of those people that's attracting a downtown guy moving uptown because their kid got into private school, they need a four-bedroom and there's not, you know, there are six other choices, absolutely you should sell. But right. um, each cat, you know, each is a different case. So I hope it, it, No, it's right. Yeah. It, it feels like the takeaway feels like that New York is, it, it, it's not a um, one-size-fits-all market. There are thousands of different markets within the market, depending on what neighborhood you're on, what type of building, um, the size of the apartment, that there are a ton of factors that have to be figured into this individually. Fair? Correct. And I, I would add in that uh, it also depends what type of owner you are. 
if we're talking about a primary residence owner, I would agree 100% with everything Amy said, um, but there are plenty of investor owners. Um, and if you're one of those, this might be a great time to sell to take advantage of the continuing benefits of the 1031 exchange because it's a great time to buy. You can sell your investment property and uh, swoop together a couple new ones and not pay any, and not pay any capital gains on, on your, on your profit. Just kind of to throw a wrench into the discussion a little bit though. I I actually think it's a seller's market. Um, I mean, our view is that that prices will continue to go down. Um, And that's a combination of rising interest rates after tax income going down, supply increasing. And yes, it's sub market specific, but uh, New York as a whole, um, rents and condo prices we view will continue to go down. So, you know, I guess it's a, a question, you know, and always an individual question whether or not to sell and, and what replacement is for that capital. But, um, you know, if you have a, a three, five, uh, 10 year horizon, um, that's probably better and, uh, to hold. But, uh, in the short term, I think prices will continue to go down over the next two to three years. Let me ask a question a little bit more specific. <clears throat> are there any neighborhoods you think are really interesting to be buying in today, Amy? You know, we actually do a very interesting, we have a very interesting strategy. I work, um, I'm a number one team in New York City, and our boss slash leader, Ryan Serhan, opened up an office uh, just now in Bed-Stuy, feeling that the Bushwick and Bed-Stuy marketplaces are really picking up, and that is actually where we have a huge portion of sales. So people are like, wait, what, in Brooklyn, in those areas? But they've become super hot. People are refurbishing, whether they're full buildings, single units, and selling them for, you know, double what they paid. So those have been great investments for people. Also, I found that in the East Village and the Lower East Side, depending on what you own, I mean, those original properties where people's sort of ancestors came in through um, New York in like the 20s, 30s, etc., and now they're old tenements, but they're being sold and redone and all that, those can be great investments as well. Just a regular sort of idea that people don't really think of, I think, is that in Murray Hill on the Upper East Side, because of like, for example, on the Upper East, because of the new train on 2nd Avenue, something that may not have it may not be fully, you know, valued. It may be undervalued yet would be something on First or York that potentially is a very large apartment but selling for, you know, half the price of something on Lex or Park. And I think those are great, you know, options for people as well, especially if you want to be in Manhattan itself. And Murray Hill just, you know, overall, there have been some great deals to be found there. Again, this would be size versus location for most people if they were looking for, you know, the larger home rather than the perfect location because, you know, everyone feels differently about each neighborhood. We don't try to <laughs> skew anyone to particular neighborhoods, but there are neighborhoods that are coveted, such as like right now West Chelsea and uh, the West Village and Tribeca, but there's better value to be had if you're willing to stay in, for example, Tudor City, Murray Hill, Upper East Side. And Jed, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I would echo almost all of those. We've been directing clients to those to those areas for the exact same reasons. I would probably add um, for first-time buyers, I would add in um, Jackson Heights and 
Crown Heights, I would add in South Williamsburg. Um, South Williamsburg is going to see a large increase in value with the shutdown of the L train, um, which makes um, mainstream Williamsburg also a good buy because prices are going to be coming down there with the L train shutdown. Um, but yeah, the East Village, uh, Yorkville, Murray Hill and Kipps Bay uh, both prevent, uh, present tremendous value to especially first-time buyers. Um, let me broaden this out for maybe last question or two. Um, Blake, you cover the country. Your team covers the country. We've been talking a lot about New York and potentially a seller's market or that there'll be continued weakness. Let's phrase it that way. Um, is that a trend you're seeing nationally or is it specific to New York? Are there markets around the country that jump out at you, either good nor bad? And so I'm just curious to your view real estate more broadly. Um, yeah, I think from a, from a rental standpoint, um, something like 90% of markets across the U.S. saw rent increases last year. And New York was uh, one of the only ones that saw a rental decrease. Um, so I think that speaks a little bit kind of to the, the rental value here and, and to, uh, to the supply. Um, from a from a for sale uh, perspective, you know, the home builders are doing very well. Homeownership actually started to tick up um, for the first time last year um, since the financial crisis. So that has has actually turned around in the, the uh, starter home um, new construction business across the rest of the U.S. Um, and in New York, you have the supply issues. So, so it's it's a little bit more specific to New York than it is the rest of the U.S. Um, and we see that continuing for the foreseeable future for that until that supply goes through. Amy, a question for you. I know your team does work in cities across the country. Um, basically the same question. Does real estate feel similar in other areas or are there pockets that feel really overpriced or, or really attractively valued either, either side of that equation? You know, Obviously, we in California we have a similar situation now with the tax bill and the tax reform, and we're we're trying to figure out, you know, the Californians and the New Yorkers kind of have the same sentiment. But um, and people in Miami are being further, you know, um, investigated as to like where the money is coming from when they're purchasing condos and the likes. So I would say, if anything, I actually not necessarily residentially related, but resi plus commercial. I have a lot of friends, investors, and people in the industry who are going to the mid-markets. Like, for example, outside, slightly outside of Nashville, Tennessee, slightly outside of Charlotte, looking for college towns where they can grab some properties that, you know, the college kids can live in as an alternative to a dorm while they're down there, and it's a guaranteed income. So I find that, you know, there are a lot of people who are sort of, they either live in New York, live in California, live in the South, but they're investing in other locations in addition to the homes that they own, the primary and potentially secondary income residences. So I'll, I'll, I'll give each of you a, a final word as to um, whatever you think would be the right takeaway for people who are thinking about real estate today, whether it be New York or, or outside of New York. Um, and so, Jed, what do you think the big takeaway today is for people who are, who are jumping on, trying to get 20 minutes of background on real estate? Um, how would you summarize the, the, the market or key takeaways? 
I think um, right now that because interest rates will be going up, because there is a lot of supply, um, if you have a savvy broker working with you, now is a really excellent time to buy. Um, the New York market is always going to go up over time. Real estate in general is always going to go up over time. It's a terrific investment. Um, similarly, if you are uh, an investment owner, it's a great time to flip your investment property and pick up a few new ones because um, there's a lot of great deals out there. Amy? I completely agree with Jed, and I think we also should look at that you must be informed. You must actually have all of your ducks in a row when you're buying, so you need your financial advisor on board, your accountants, and I think the, the key point into sort of making sure that in the future your investments are sound and you've done the right thing is if you ever feel like it's funny, there's a red flag or pit in your stomach about purchasing, there are a lot of other properties out there. And I think it's time to be, you know, make sure you're working with someone who has patience and who can walk you through the pros and cons of each purchase. Right now is absolutely the time to buy. And um, I would tell my primary owners that unless, if they're trading down, it's a tricky time to uh, sell. But if they're trading up, go for it. Sell because you're going to, you know, hit it big on the on the other end. So if you're selling for a million, you thought you were going to get one two, but you can buy your next property for one six instead of one nine. It's really all okay. So I think that's you know that the key to the market is that people shouldn't be scared by whatever the media is saying, and they should do what's best for them in their lifestyle. And the important part is which way they're trading, right, and how that arbitrage works in or Absolutely. or not in their favor. And Blake. Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, you know, real estate is as much a timing business as anything else, but um, it's a very tax-efficient store of wealth. Um, so long as you uh, have the ability to have illiquidity within the portfolio, and I think over the long run, um, most investors are under-allocated real estate um, for a lot of the, the benefits that the team here mentioned in terms of uh, value appreciation and after-tax income. Um, so I think from there, it's needing to do specific homework and having a two, three, four-year time horizon for a particular investment, um, but that uh, you know, everybody can benefit by having a, a store of uh, uh, wealth within real estate. Thank you to everyone for joining. I, I hope you uh, found this helpful, and I look forward to speaking with you all in the future. Thanks. <laughs>